We've all felt left out. And for people who move to this country, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Welcome to Money Beats. Look at the week ahead. I'm Paul Vigna. I'm Stephen Grosser. Coming to you from the Big Apple. Uh, Stephen Grosser, how excited are you about the New York Yankees being in the ALCS? What? I, I don't know what you're talking about. No idea. I don't. Uh, that didn't happen as far as I can tell. It didn't, huh? I would rather talk about your New York Giants and, and, and how they're doing this year. I knew year. you were going to go there. Uh, who are these New York Giants of which you speak? <laughs> we are joined on the phone today by Bethann Bovino, senior economist at Standard & Poor's. Bethann, hi. Sorry to, to, to you know give you a little sports talk there at the outset. Well, that's actually going to be my uh, my son's uh, Halloween costume. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's well, going to be a Yankee. <laughs> he is going to be. He's going to go on as a winner. Were you ever a Yankee, Excellent. Paul? Excellent. Uh, I, I am a Yankee. I'm a Yankee doodle dandy. Uh, hey, Bethann, so on Friday, we got to look at the CPI. The latest CPI report came in a little bit weakish. And I guess that's going to kind of color, you know, again, a lot of this Fed talk. Where is the Fed going? What is happening with policy? What is the inflation outlook? You got a couple of Fed reports, the regional reports coming up this week. But I mean, we you also know, have the beige book. Also have the beige book. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right. So, so what are we thinking about when we look at the Fed right now? Well, we think we're, we think that. Uh, so the inflation data, um, the, the CPI core inflation data in particular, was a little bit softer. That, in our opinion at S&P Global, makes us believe that the Fed can wait a little bit longer before they raise rate. I think markets are convinced that they're going to move in December, and they very well could be right. But we think uh, they're going to take their time and wait until, uh, wait until January before they get a little bit more data to decide the move. Yeah, you did see, uh, after the CPI data on Friday, you saw... Investors sort of tempered just slightly their expectation. I think it got down to 83% on the Fed fund futures um, for a rate hike in December. But the Fed, in the minutes last week, the Fed did show, uh, you know, there, there was a divide between those that were sort of still believing that this infl- the inflation issue is temporary and we, you know, and, and it will start gaining momentum and those that are more concerned about it, you know, how, how it struggled to get to the 2% uh, target that the Fed has. Yeah, I think it's going to be rather divided um, when we do get to that. But keep in mind, it's eight weeks away. Yeah. So that means that gives them time and more data to look at. So they, I suspect while they might actually have a position at this point in time, it's, it can change. Again, it's always dependent on the data. And one more thing to consider is that whether it's December or January, the Fed's been very clear that they are moving in yeah. that tightening mode. What is that inflation data telling the average person? I mean, you know, somebody tells me inflation is not rising very much as a consumer, as somebody who goes out and buys things, who has to buy things. I'm pretty happy about that. So what is the real, what is the inflation picture really saying about the economy right now, Bethann? One thing to keep in mind also with the most recent numbers is that it's hurricane, uh, a lot of hurricane distortions in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, energy, um, gasoline, for example. You saw a big bounce in the gasoline prices. And why was that? Because of the back-to-back hurricanes. And so I'm sure consumers are starting to feel a little bit of that pinch as they go to the gas pump. Um, the um, the worry, of course, is that if, if inflation goes too low, and yes, I mean, everybody wants a discount, but the worry, of course, is that what happens to 
for example, businesses, if they can't get the prices that they need just to keep up with the costs that they have, mm-hmm. they're going to lay off workers. And that means less people have jobs, less money to spend down the road. And that's a worry. We also coming up, you know, moving to the sort of week ahead, we have a couple of key housing data points coming in. Existing home sales, I believe, comes out on Friday. I think that's right. I think that's right. And a couple other ones, too. Uh, I think you have housing starts yep. as well. Uh, yeah, there you want to talk about prices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. We got prices uh, prices galore there in terms of the pricing, in terms of uh, home prices uh, climbing higher. We're expecting home sales to, you know, continue at a at a pretty a relatively healthy pace. We do think that things are slowing somewhat. Again, we're going we're leaving the the hot uh, you know summer bar um, summer uh, home sale season and going into more of that that uh, fall winter slowdown. So we are expecting some slowdown, but we but we again we we're pretty confident the housing market will hold up relatively well since those those millennials are finally tired of living in their parents' basement. <laughs> Are they? Are they really? Are we sure about that? I think maybe they want their parents to move out. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, we also got on Tuesday the NAHB, the National Association of Home Builders, their housing market index. So a lot of housing data. We also had the um, the beige book on Wednesday. Is there anything you know we should be paying attention there? That usually gives a good view of the economy. And that's what the Fed looks at, uh, yeah. certainly mm-hmm. when they when they make their moves. And there, I suspect that you're going to see the it's going to be the standard. Uh, the economy is. Uh, moving along at a moderate pace. I think that I think what you may see, and, and especially since what was also mentioned was that builder confidence survey. The worry there is that we in built in the builder confidence survey. One of the worries they have is that they can't find the workers they need, so prices are going to wages are going to be climbing in that sector. I'm wondering what we see in the Fed beige book. Are we going to start to see uh, concerns among businesses that they are going to have to you know that wages are climbing higher, which would be good for me and for you and you, but right. uh, maybe not for businesses. And we should sort of see some of the impact from the hurricanes in the beige book and also in industrial production, which comes out on Tuesday as well, right? Yeah, that's true. We are going to see some. The hurricanes are kind of taking pretty much, I guess you could say, the eye of the the, the storm is yeah. going through the data right now. You saw it, you saw it in, in last week's uh, retail sales numbers. You're seeing it in the inflation data. That's why we at S&P Global think that the Fed might want to little, wait a little bit more, see what happens in November, with November data before they make their final decision on a move. And then also, uh, you know, on the topic of, of Fed data, we're going to have a couple of the regional Fed reports, the the survey reports that they put out. Uh, Empire State, which is New York, that comes on Monday. I'm looking at the calendar here. Atlanta Fed business inflation expectations on Wednesday and the Philly Fed business survey, business outlook survey on Thursday. So, you know, a lot of a lot of Fed. Well, yeah, and you also have a bunch of Fed speakers as yes, well. Yes, you you are right, Stephen Gross. You do have Fed speakers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Stanley Fisher on Wednesday, Janet Yellen on Friday, Loretta Mester on Friday as well. So there will be a lot of Fed Fed talk to chew on. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, in terms of the in terms of the manufacturing data, uh, we're expecting we're expecting the the data to hold up relatively well. There's still both both the Empire State and the Philly Fed index are remain above that sort of that neutral neutral line of zero, mm-hmm. suggesting that there's expansion in those in in manufacturing in those regions. Um, those those usually give you a good indicator of indication of what's happening nationwide. And we've been pretty, pretty, you know, manufacturing has been surprisingly resilient um, despite uh, basically higher costs because of uh, higher energy costs 
to their to their production and also the hit from that strong dollar. Manufacturing has been surprisingly resilient, and we think that's still going to hold. Beth Ann Bovino is senior economist at Standard and Poor's. Beth Ann, thanks for spending spending some time with us. I enjoyed it. We will come back when we come back, folks. We are going to switch gears, going to look at earnings. Right, Stephen Grosser? That is correct, Paul. It is earnings season. We're going to prep you for it. You're listening to Money Beat from The Wall Street Journal. We've all felt left out. And for people who move to this country, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. For more insights, enable the Wall Street Journal skill on any device with Amazon Alexa. Get all of our podcasts, as well as the latest news and market updates. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. Welcome back to Money Beats. Look at the week ahead. And uh, hey, Stephen Grosser, you know one thing that I, I can't help but notice is different? What's that, Paul? It's this really nice little plant here in the studio. (laughs) Did they do this? I think they did this for us, right? They wanted to make our show look a little more homey, right? So they put a plant here. Isn't that for us? Uh, Am I supposed to have an answer to that question? Yeah, and and the nice mug and the Wall Street Journal chewing gum. I love how this podcast is, over the last few episodes, has become far more about being inside Paul's head than uh, anything else. And it was not done for us at all no one's buying us plants but uh hey man we're happy to be here with you we're happy it is earnings season and at the wall street journal especially in the business reporting group we love earnings don't we grocer we do and it gets underway in a big way we got a little bit of a tease thursday and friday with the bank earnings and the bankers keep reporting we also get some healthcare companies and to help us give a rundown of it, Charlie Grant and Aaron back from our Heard on the Street group. Gentlemen, welcome to our homey studio. Thanks for having us. Good to be here. Isn't it nice with the plant? I'm going to say the plant. It for is. Us, I'm going to stay a while. For us. So uh, I guess, should we kick it off with, with, with uh, Banks Grosso? I think, I think that makes sense. Uh, you know, what, I guess, Aaron, the question we have for you is what did we learn from JP Morgan, Bank of America, and Citigroup that sort of will translate into. Uh, Goldman and Morgan's earnings this uh, this week? Uh, not much. I mean, the banks are all kind of fairly decent earnings, but there was a somewhat substantial sell-off in bank shares, even though J.P. Morgan, Citigroup, Bank of America all beat estimates. Uh, Wells Fargo missed estimates, but they're a whole separate mess. The reason is that bank stocks have run up quite a lot. I mean, in the last month, bank stocks were up maybe, you know, 11, 12 percent. So they may have gotten, you know, a little bit ahead of themselves. And even though the numbers were decent, the bank stocks are kind of just off a little bit because people were a little too optimistic. The bank CEOs at, you know, when they were giving talks before in the run up to earnings had all sort of suggested they would see about a 20 percent drop in, in revenue from trading. That seems to be have played out. Is, are we looking at a similar thing for Morgan Stanley and Goldman? Yeah, that's correct. So we've seen you know, 15 20% decline, particularly in fixed income trading across the board, which was well telegraphed by the banks. So it wasn't a surprise to anyone. Now, the thing is that Goldman Sachs, which historically has owned fixed income trading, it's been their best business, has had particularly poor fixed income trading results for the last two quarters, doing much worse than the street as a whole. And the reasons for that um, are somewhat mysterious, though they have been illuminated by my uh, excellent colleague Liz Hoffman and her reporting on the subject. They made a couple bad bets on things like natural gas prices um, and their client mix is sort of – uh, not ideal for a number of reasons I can get into later. So anyway, the point is Goldman Sachs is the is doing the worst 
of the bunch um, in this particular business that no one is doing that well in. And I don't think there's any reason why that should be different in the third quarter. Mm. Now, we'll find out on Tuesday, but I'm expecting another not great quarter for Goldman Sachs. I just don't think they've had enough time to turn that around. Are there any other financial firms that you're looking at um, that you report this week? So I'm quite interested in consumer lenders. One interesting thing that we saw, credit card charge-offs for Citibank, for example, are rising faster than expected. Everyone knows they're rising. Basically, people have taken on a huge amount of credit card as well as auto loans, student loan debt in the last several years. The credit cycle is now starting to turn. So we all expected defaults to start ticking up. But they're kind of ticking up faster than expected, uh, particularly at Citibank. Citibank has some slightly less prime borrowers than the other major banks because they have a big private label business. You know, they issue credit cards in partnership with retail stores. So there are a number of other companies in a similar space reporting, such as Capital One, which does credit cards, is somewhat less prime in their uh, business. Um, a company called Synchrony Financial, which was spun out from General Atlantic that does private label credit cards. Uh, a company called Alliance Data Systems that does private label credit cards. I'm not expecting it to be very positive. It's just uh, there's an accumulation of data that the consumer is getting overstretched. So in these kind of less prime segments, such as you know like people who use a Macy's card or you know things like that, uh, I think I think there's going to be a little bit more pain still. So Charlie. Yeah. There are a few healthcare companies. A couple of them. Yeah. yeah. Johnson & Johnson, United Health are on Tuesday. Abbott, I believe, is also reporting on uh, uh, Wednesday, maybe? Or yeah, that's, it... that's correct. Yeah. And then the week after, there's, you know, dozens of them almost every day. Yeah. You know, the thing, there's a few themes. I mean, pharma and health insurance have both done fine this year, as have most stocks. So the drug pricing scares of the 2016 election are distant memory, and stocks have basically recovered in full from that. And I think this earnings season will mostly be fine in terms of hitting, you know, the estimates on revenue and profits. But there are some issues that investors still need to um, pay attention to on both the insurance and the pharma side. What are those? Sure. Well, on the insurance side, of course, President Trump announced that he's canceling, you know, the health insurance subsidies on the Obamacare exchanges. United Health is not particularly exposed to that, but we might get our first commentary about how they expect these policy shifts to alter insurance markets. And the commentary will be key much more so than the headline numbers. We got a lot of bigger insurer insurers with much higher stakes tied to that program reporting later. So it might be interesting to see how some of those stocks react to whatever United says on Tuesday. And then on the pharma side, the main issue that, you know, for for the short term at least, is probably going to be the situation in Puerto Rico. It's a big pharma manufacturing place. It's, I think, 10% of all drugs in the U.S. are produced there. Most companies have been pretty coy about how the situation there has affected them. So it's not, you know, that won't really affect the third quarter headline numbers, but there might be issues going forward. And if companies identify them, that's going to hit stocks. I think you, I was just going to say to Paul, if you, if for our listeners, if you listened to our podcast earlier uh, last week about Procter and Gamble and Tryan and the vote there, Procter and Gamble reports Friday, and there's another company reporting Friday that I think you're interested in, right, Charlie? Uh, General Electric. This will be um, the new CEO's uh, second conference call, I believe. Um, John Flannery, formerly of the healthcare unit. 
Um, and there's been a lot of worry about GE stock. It's been down quite a bit. He's going to maybe tease a little bit what to expect going forward for GE. They have also slated to unveil their strategic vision more broadly in November, which will also be a big thing to watch going forward. But it's a troubled company with a lot of people who own the stock, and people will be watching them closely next week. Gentlemen, thank you very both. Thank you both very much for coming on. Yeah, big week, big week. Thanks Can't for having for me. All right, and everyone, thank you for listening. We appreciate it as always, and we'll talk to you very soon.